From VT Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, students are back in school for their third week of the new year. Or at least some of them are. The Omicron variant has caused a massive spike in COVID-19 cases and a massive spike in absences among students, teachers, and school staff. As a result, dozens of schools across the state have already canceled classes for at least a day this month, and some for longer stretches. State officials have prioritized keeping schools open during the current surge, citing the drawbacks of remote learning. But with this many people impacted by COVID, how much schooling is actually happening right now? In most of my classes, it feels pretty normal until you have someone come in and then all of a sudden you're sort of zapped back to reality of what the pandemic is and someone's just, you know, gone to quarantine. And so someone will just walk in and say, I need Mary and all her stuff. And then Mary's just gone. And then it's 10 days or however long until they get a test. And there's the teachers are trying their best to really facilitate remote learning, but it's hard because they're full time in person. So it's really hard to balance that, like making sure people don't fall really far behind. Last week, we put out a call to the Underground Workshop, a program we host at VT Digger to connect student journalists across the state. We wanted to hear about what being inside an open school actually looks like right now. Annika Heinz is a senior at Mill River Union High School in North Clarendon. Mill River is a small school. Annika said her class is 54 people, so it's particularly obvious when students aren't there. It's felt a lot like March of 2020, but almost a bit more foreboding because in March, everyone was kind of apprehensive and no one really knew what was going to happen. And now I think there's a fear that we will shut down again. There's more knowledge of what potentially is at stake. I like I haven't had a single class in the past two weeks that has everyone in it. Hmm. Most of my classes are like 75, 50 percent capacity. Most students are out and a lot of students who are not out, but are getting like contacted about like being a close contact, you know, like I can't go a day without hearing at least one person saying like, oh yeah, did you hear so-and-so's got COVID or, oh yeah, I got an email that I was a close contact, but like I'm vaxxed, so it's fine. Everyone knows someone who has COVID or has COVID themselves or has had it. This is Rachel Ledoux. She's a sophomore at Bellows Free Academy in St. Albans. In my English class, which is the biggest class I'm in that I can think of, we've got about 30 students consistently in there. And now, you know, we've got all of our desks in there. They're sort of set up in a circle because there's a lot of discussions and everything. So we need to be able to like face to face. We have over half of those desks that are empty. And it's just glaringly obvious looking at it. Like it's not like, oh yeah, one or two students are absent it's most students are absent. Like, you know, we're reading a book right now in English and we are, it's like a play. So we've assigned parts to people for the play. We keep having to reassign the parts because people aren't there to read the parts. It feels a little bit like the day before break almost, you know, when a lot of students will go on vacation and the class size will be smaller. So it feels a little bit like, should we do work? Will we even be productive with this smaller class size? Here's Adele McDowell a senior at Lamoille Union High School in Hyde Park. A lot of people are comparing it to March 13th, 2020, when schools were about to be shut down. There were those two days the next week, at least at our school, where students went to school before school shut down. And it's it's been feeling a lot like that recently. People are like, are we going to shut down again? I mean, I don't think we are, but it's a concern and people are 
saying it feels like that. So we have a policy and I think it's pretty uniform where if more than half of the student body is absent, we can't count it as school day. And I believe last week there was like exactly half of the student body missing one of the days. Do they like announce that in some way? Is somebody kind of tracking that? Um, We're all pretty curious about it. So usually what we'll do is we'll ask our first block class teacher. We'll be like, hey, can you go down to the office and get the numbers and tell us, you know, how many are absent? And usually it fluctuates a little bit throughout the day and there are more absences by the end of the day. But it's been quite a lot. We have 524, I think, students in total. And absences have been like above 130 for the past two weeks. Hmm. everyone's pretty curious about it because it's just so strange to like walk into a class and you're one of three students in a class that usually has 10 students. So it's just, it's been a strange experience. I mean, it varies by the teacher, but a lot of our teachers, I think are kind of easing up on work and homework because they know kids are in and out of the classroom. This is Annika Turcott, a sophomore at Montpelier High School. I think class sizes have been a lot smaller and teachers, my mom's a teacher and she's been out of school. So trying to get that to work while she's stuck at home and she has kids in the classroom. I just think everyone's a little bit tired and low motivation and just trying to get through to a point where we can all be back at school. So when you are in a class and maybe the class size is slightly reduced or, you know, you're dealing with some of the teachers being out, how does that affect what, what actually is happening in the classroom? I think there's a lot of classes where my teachers have been like just a little bit flustered because kids are in so many different places on the material. Like kids that are in class are farther ahead, but then kids that were out of class maybe did the wrong assignment or did the wrong parts of it. So I think generally things are feeling pretty like rushed, but also super slow, if that makes sense. Hmm. We have the end of the semester coming up. So teachers are trying to like cram in summative tests, but then kids are all across the board where they are on the content. So I think it's just pretty confusing. Teachers are out all of the time. Like today I had three teachers who were out because of COVID issues and it's making things very difficult just from a student perspective to get things done, especially this week. Friday is the last day of the semester for us. So, you know, we're really winding things up and we've got a lot of big like projects and midterms and stuff due this week. So Not having the teachers there to offer like instruction for that and providing support during harder academic times for students is definitely a challenge. They're combining a lot of the classes because teachers just can't teach it. Our like theater teacher is teaching a couple English classes right now because the English teacher's out sort of indefinitely. Plus just even teachers that I personally don't have or like non-classroom staff members, with the absence of a lot of them, it's there's a lot more like issues happening in like the hallways and stuff. You know, kids are getting into fights. There's a lot more like vaping in the bathrooms and a whole bunch of issues. Right now, these students are at the center of some drastic and controversial policy shifts. Last week, the State Agency of Education issued guidelines that recommend schools stop conducting contact tracing and PCR surveillance testing, both of which had been seen as measures that would help contain the spread of the virus. Instead, the state plans to distribute more rapid antigen tests for students to use at home. The students I talked to said they had mostly gotten used to the old system. They said right now, the new procedures seem to have their school officials confused. 
every day you're getting at least one or two emails from the district like here's the updated COVID protocols for the school here's how we're going to fix things here's what we're keeping the same here's what we're changing kind of thing I just got an email an hour ago with them telling us about like new COVID procedures and stuff it's happening every day the new guidance for schools from the state is really confusing to a lot of people with testing and contact tracing and I don't think any teacher at our school really knows what the guidance means. There's a lot of confusion and frustration around that, I think, especially among staff, but also among a lot of students who really don't know where they stand if they are a close contact or something, like whether they need to quarantine and, you know, like the definition of close contact. The administration has done the best job that they can in terms of letting people know what the new guidance is and stuff like that, but it's just confusing. A lot of it's counterintuitive to think that contact tracing is changing just because that's something that we've, it's been so established since the beginning that if you're in contact with someone, automatically you quarantine. So that's one of the big things that people are talking about. There's been a lot of debate about those new procedures and about COVID policies in schools more broadly. The voices we hear tend to be state officials, teachers, parents, and some health experts. But students said those conversations are taking place in their hallways too. And just like among the general public, Sometimes those conversations are not particularly civil. I see a lot of the similar debates happening, you know, in school. There are teachers and paraeducators who have like very different points of view from each other. And I witness some of those conversations and students certainly have very different points of view. There are are people in sort of my circle who are very cautious, very careful. And there are people who are really ready to be done with masks. And I heard the other day, you know, the school nurse asking someone to pull up their mask and they were like, F you, I hope I die from COVID. There's a lot of students like that at our school as well, who will shout in the calls like COVID's a hoax, you know, sort of to get a rise out of people. But we have some very differing opinions in our student body. It's very difficult to get through to people, I think. You know, you'll have conversations with classmates and it's just like, why don't you take this more seriously? You know, I've had people say like, oh, well, COVID's not even like that big of a deal anymore. You know, and I think because partially, at least because Vermont as a like state is not taking it as seriously anymore. I think we kind of got a bit of a big head from the fact that we were doing so well at the beginning of the pandemic. And now so many people view it as like, oh, well, Vermont's still doing better than other states but we're still doing badly. The question is what to do next. Some argue that school communities would be safer with a temporary shift to remote learning. And for students in some schools that have been forced to close their doors, that's effectively what's happening already. Students tend to agree that despite all the chaos right now, they'd probably rather be in school than not, even if that means canceling some extracurricular activities and social events. I just really wish they would make a choice about it. If you're going to be lax about it, Sure, you know, whatever. But if you're going to claim that you like care about students and you want to keep the school open, they need to start cutting down on things. And as much as that's going to hurt, you know, as much as I want to have our ball and want to have assemblies and want to do all my extracurricular activities and everything, I would rather they get rid of that than shut down our school. Every single time I see one of those emails, I'm thinking to myself, is this going to be the one where they tell us school isn't happening anymore? Yeah. And it sounds like from what you were saying, you're you're not quite sure how you would feel about that. Yeah. I mean, from an objective like COVID safety standpoint, I think I definitely want them to. 
but from a student standpoint and just like a person who needs a little bit of social interaction, you know, I'm an extrovert. I like being around people. I'm not going to be happy about it, but it's kind of one of those like necessary evils for lack of a better term. I'm really not sure. I personally think we should stay in person and and that might be a selfish thing too, because, you know, I've taken all of the precautions. I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted. So the consequences for me, if I were to catch COVID would be pretty small. And I know that's not the case for a lot of people. And a lot of people would worry about bringing it home to families. But I personally think that the amount of damage it would do to close schools down again would be immense. Like a closure lasting longer than a week would really like, there are so many students this year who are already struggling. There are students who spend their class periods on the bathroom floor because they don't know how to like be in class and interact and be a student anymore because of the two years almost that they've had of remote learning. And so I think it would set us back even further. And, you know, we might lose some students if we were to go remote again. And I mean, like lose in the sense that they just would not come back to school. I don't know how like hyperbolic they're being, but I hear a lot of people saying, you know, like if we close down again, I'm just going to drop out. Um, And when you talk about, you know, somebody on the bathroom floor instead of being in the classroom, I mean, where do you think that's coming from? I think especially, you know, younger students, underclassmen who hadn't had the high school experience really before the pandemic are being thrown into, you know, freshman and sophomore and junior level classes. And they they just don't know how to do it. Their their last in-school experience was middle school and the workload is tougher and they've forgotten how to interact in a classroom setting and it hasn't been reintroduced like slowly. They've just been dropped into it. And a lot of people are still really struggling and it's difficult because for teachers, usually they could handle something like this on like a case-to-case basis a lot more easily. You know, like one student is having a tough time having a crisis, but it's it's like 50% of the underclassmen student body. And when it's those sort of numbers, there's not really an easy way to, you know, take every student aside. I definitely feel good coming to schools. I think that the school district like is definitely prioritizing safety. I don't know about other schools, but I'm on Polier. I think they are. I think it's just going to depend though. I think when I was out of school, I, and I think a lot of students that I've been talking to agree that like, we kind of wish we had just pivoted digitally for like the next week or so, just because so many people are out and it's hard to be in and out of school like that. How do you think it would be different if you had done that? Like if they had just kind of switched everything proactively to remote learning for some temporary period of time, like how, how do you think it would be different? I mean, it would have been a lot clearer, I think of what we were supposed to be doing and like everyone would be on the same page. I think that would be helpful. I mean, I would be good with virtual learning for like two weeks, but after that, I think a lot of kids start to lose interest and motivation. Hmm. And I think it just really depends on the student. And if like you really wake up on normal time to go onto your zoom call or whatever, like if you feel like doing that or not. I asked Annika from Montpelier about what virtual learning actually looked like in her school this year. Right now, this varies across the state. Some schools have no virtual options at all, and some only provide take-home work when entire classes are in quarantine, not just individual students. Annika said when she's been out, she's mostly been on her own to get her classwork and try to get it done. I basically, in the mornings or a couple days ahead of time, I just email my teachers and I'd say, I'm not going to be in class today. What do you want me to do? And most of our teachers have like planning documents where you can see like what we covered in class that day with like links to material and homework and extra resources. So that was helpful. But in the teachers that didn't have that, I was pretty much just getting stuff emailed to me and then trying to follow along 
I would text my friends in the class and ask them to like take notes for me and stuff. So when I was home, I mean, cause we're not really set up for distance learning right now. I'd say I was probably doing about 25 to 30% of what kids in school were doing. Rachel from BFA St. Albans told me something similar. She said this has been true throughout the pandemic, but especially right now. Students who want to stay on track and have the right resources can do it. But lots of others are checking out or getting left behind. Even the kids who don't have COVID, there's a lot of people who like just aren't coming to school super consistently. So when class time actually starts most days, there's only like five of us there. I mean, there's like the consistent group of us who are always there on time because, you know, we want to be. And if we're lucky, maybe there'll be like 10, 15 kids in there by the end of the period. But it's just very, very small. Huh. And people just kind of wander in when they get there. Yeah. I mean, that's not so much of a COVID thing, I don't think. Just like with because of COVID, we had to sort of reevaluate a lot of our rules last year which means a lot of them aren't being enforced as heavily, including tardiness. There isn't really any punishment for being tardy besides just like having it marked on our like power school program. So most kids, there's nothing stopping them from like going to Dunkin' for a latte or something before school and walking in 20 minutes late because no one really cares, you know? kids who didn't care about it before now there's not really any incentive to it's just kind of like oh well half the class isn't there anyways and it's not like they're punishing me so why should I show up on time I I think I'm learning less than I would in a normal school year but I'm also in the unique position where I'm in a program called EPIC, which is essentially an independent study where I'm gaining proficiencies through doing a project of my choosing. But I know a lot of other students who are saying like, my teacher hasn't been here for weeks. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, we're so behind in the curriculum. And I think that over the course of the year added up with like all of the missed out learning last year is going to have an impact. And I don't really know, you know, how college admissions is going to look for the junior and sophomore class who really haven't had nearly any time in school pre-pandemic. Annika from Mill River said the current moment is strange, but it's stranger for her to think about how long students have been subjected to this uncertainty. She's a senior now. The first shutdown happened when she was a sophomore. So yes, there's concern about how much learning or extracurricular activity will get sidelined during the Omicron wave. But in the end, that's just one small piece of what these students have dealt with for the past three school years. I think one of the things that's really, really bizarre to me is just how back when all this started, back in March of 2020, everyone was so, so scared. And we were having like max like 50 cases a day. I think I remember seeing 80 cases one day and it was like a huge deal. And now we have like 2000 almost the other day. And I think it's just interesting because... I, it, we feel so, as kids, I think we feel so adjusted to it. And it's you, it, this is just what life is. And so when people ask me about it, it doesn't really hit me, you know, what's going on or what we're potentially missing out on. And then all of a sudden, someone will say something, usually it's something pretty minuscule. And it really like makes you realize exactly how weird the times we're living in are. Like, I'll be having a conversation with my friend and we'll just realize we haven't done marching band since freshman year. And that's something that's so, like, to me, that's just what it is. But then you say that to someone who did it for 
all six years is how it is in my school. And to them, that's astonishing. So I think it's one of the things that is just really striking to me is how normalized and how like adjusted we are as a whole as kids. And that's that's a little scary in and of itself. Like, I don't know if we should be this adjusted to it. You can read more about COVID-19 in Vermont schools at vtdigger.org and find all of our COVID coverage in one place at vtdigger.org slash coronavirus. Thanks again to Annika Heinz, Rachel Ledoux, Adele McDowell, and Annika Turcotte. These four are all part of the Underground Workshop, VT Digger's platform for student journalism. That program is run by Ben Heinz, a teacher at U32 Middle and High School. And right now, they're inviting students across the state to pitch stories about sustainability with the goal of creating a climate report card for Vermont schools. If you're interested, email ben at vtdigger.org. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We used music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger newsroom. See you then.